great he is. You can be seated. What's up, church family? How y'all doing? You got ready for some couch time? Ready for us to bring you into our living room? Have a little small group time. If you're joining us for the first time, either online uh, or here in person, we've been doing a series called I Am Group. And part of that series is we want to bring you into moments that are just like growth groups. Moments where we get to share our lives. And so this is Julia Mills. Y'all say hi to Julia. <laughs> and I got to tell you a funny story. You know, y'all are last name Green, right? So this is Leland Hope Green. But um, somebody said, hey, are they related to the Greens that are, you know, like Justin? Where's Justin? They wonder if they're related to you, Justin. There's no relation, right? <laughs> Maybe somewhere down the line. Maybe somewhere down the line. <laughs> Leland left it open. So, so what we want to do, uh, we've been working through some components of group life. And one of the p- components we're going to look at today is the word. And what I want you to understand about God's word is it's something that's not meant to just read it. It's something that's supposed to be shared and impacts the life of other people. Uh, Not only people in your group, but also people you're sharing your life with in mentorship and uh, coaching and just over cups of coffee. There's all kinds of ways that God's words kind of moves out, right? You guys have an online group, one of the groups you have. And Miss Julie, you've got several groups, right? You've got, how many groups you got? You got this group, the WOG, the Women of Grace. Just for part-time. That's part-time. You got to use that if they want to. They aren't going to put up with And then you've got to... Snowbird. And then you've got um, a group in your neighborhood. Yes. Yes. Yep. And then I know you personally hang out with my wife and mentor her. I do. That's the joy of our weekend. <laughs> so a lot of investment she's making through God's word and people. So let me ask you a quick question. So for both, both uh, y'all, um, how do you see God's word Um, impacting and moving in the groups that you're leading? Like, how does that work as far as conversations and how it impacts people's life? Open for anybody. You want to go, Miss Julia? Okay. Okay. You wanted time to think, didn't you? Yeah. Smart guy. Okay. (laughs) I spend most of my time, well, as I said, I'm just going to be facilitator to the Women of Grace for just through the next month. I just did it this winter. But um, my... um, long-term group it are my neighbors. We started about eight or nine years ago, and um, we meet every Wednesday afternoon. And oh my, we can all see how we've grown by having that fellowship together of studying God's Word, uh, of coming each week to, well, pray for each other. I mean, we're all retired. And so we got lots of wrestles. And, um, <laughs> they didn't know that. They thought retirement was no wrestling oh, anymore. Oh, yes. We have concerns for each other each week, and we're always there, not just for those two or three hours that we meet on Wednesday, but through the week. Um, we, you might get a knock on your door, and it'll be one of your neighbors either bringing you something or coming in to talk, or we get on the phone. Um, we're there with not only physical needs, our spiritual needs, and the needs and prayers we have for our families, um, and it's uh, it's that we're going to be the light to the world around us, and it happens to be our little neighborhood. And I can see um, the changes that it's made over these eight or nine years that we've met. Each of us have grown in our faith. And uh, we have learned God's word, understood God's word, 
and are now living out God's word. And she just taught the whole class for this afternoon right there. That's what we're teaching. And she taught it better than I would. Um, I'm not a public speaker, but you know the Lord, he puts it up here in our brain as to what best we can say. And remember that we are a child of the king. Amen. So you and I are brothers and sisters. Hello, brother and sister. <laughs> <laughs> so we need to be there for each other, not just in our little small groups where we meet, but when we meet together like today, um, to be able to hear others' concerns and how we can pray. I ask people to please give me a name or a concern so that when I go to the Lord, I can name you to the Lord and not just say bless everybody but I have a specific name and concern Amen. and since I live alone and there's only God in me and he's a spirit I can just spend a lot of time with my Lord so I just go around all day long talking out loud and so if you come by my house and hear somebody talk me talking and you know nobody's there don't get a straight jacket. I'm talking to my Jesus. <laughs> what about you all? How's, how's God's word? You know, and you guys have an online group as one of the groups, which is so unique, right? Mm-hmm. So how's God's word work with that, with your group? Well, I think, I think it's just a blessing in and of itself that we were able to get anybody to join an online group. I know, you know, we've been through a pandemic and people are like, what? Zoom? No way. So um, the fact that we, um, we were able to get um, nine people, including ourselves, um, to commit to you know, journeying spiritually with you weekly um, is just a blessing. Um, anything you want to add? Well, I was just thinking that our group is new. This current yeah. group, we are about three weeks old, I think. And, but we had done a group before for years, and it actually was through COVID that we started to do it virtually. And what we did is in the YouVersion app, uh, we just actually started to find books in the Bible. So I think we started with Revelation. And and we have current members who want to go through it again. Who picked that book? Uh, I think you did. Okay, I was wondering, okay. I think I did. But she's been to seminary because she's curious, so. That's a whole conversation. That was about fighting to keep my faith, not actually learning the Bible. You went to cemetery um, and didn't lose it. That's yes. good. Um, but what we did is, so we literally started to go through books in the Bible. And through, we go through the Word as the one that we specifically use. And they have a teaching on it, which is about 10 minutes. And then they have the actual scripture. And it'll go like chapter by chapter. And then it has talk about it, just like the ones that you have. Mm-hmm. So literally every day we were being connected in the Word through doing that. And it was so neat because we had people in our group had been in church for years. And they said that this was kind of the deepest that they've gone into it. It's funny, you know, there's accountability in that. I get in the car with uh, Kevin and I travel up together. Where's Kevin? He's over there. He says, you do know that you did the wrong devotion this morning, right? I said, no, I didn't know. He's like, yeah, you did one that's like a couple weeks from now or something. I said, oh, oh." yeah, so accountability. You got to love it. Yeah. So I was like, there's, yeah. (laughs) Tell me, tell me this one thing before we move on for question for both, both, uh, both y'all. How do you see the integration of God's word with what you wrestle with? Like, because in my group, I've noticed there's more times than not, 
Like God somehow, without us scripting or putting together, he puts together his word with how we're going to pray and how we're going to wrestle together. So, yep. so you got an idea? Okay, how? This week, I've just been in awe, and I might cry, because um, how it's, we have kids in our group. Well, we have kids, and, you know, just kind of the overflow of what we do affects our kids. So I started to do with my kids, we have three kids. We have Benjamin, who's nine, Savannah, who's seven, and Ari, who's five. So on the way to school, I use the Bible app as well, and I hand him, hang on this, you know, and hand him his devotion <laughs> on the way to school, and he does the kids one because there's a kids one. If anybody knew that, yeah. So anyway, so Tuesday he comes home from school and he's really angry and really upset, and he's like, I don't like my teacher, just kind of going on. So we kind of unpacked it, and he said she's been mean to him, and all of this. So it turns out he had been disobeying her. He was going on to typing websites that she told him not to in free time she wanted him to read. So he was mad at her because he got hurt by that she shared an example of his work. So anyway, needless to say, he was mad with his teacher. So we had a conversation and we're like, Benjamin, if you're disobeying her, you need to apologize. So Wednesday, he asked her, he actually approached her and he asked her if he could talk to her and she said she was too busy. So then Thursday, we talked about it again, and I hand him his devotion, and I kid you not. So it goes through, it talked about Ephesians being children of the light, being part of God's restoration work in the world, and it literally says, because then it gives you the reflection of how to apply God's word, and it literally, I screenshot it, so I have it, and it literally said, do you need to stand up for somebody who's being bullied? Do you need to apologize to somebody? And you need to forgive somebody. Oh, wow. I almost started crying in my car. <laughs> and then he's like, Mommy, I need to apologize. So then it goes through the prayer. And then I said, Benjamin, do you need to forgive her first? Because he was hurt by her, which is why he disobeyed her. Mm. So it was literally like that tangible of what he was literally wrestling with. Yeah. Literally that day he was going to apologize to his teacher. Yeah. And it was literally that exact same devotion. And that's how God's word sometimes so interweaves with what's going on in our lives. And, that, and you only get that when you're in it consistently. Yeah. Miss Julia, you do something. I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm sorry. I know you're an introvert. Um, and, I know, and I know one of the, I know, Levi, I know one of the rules of the group is never share. I'm going to violate it. Um, so it's, I think it's tangible. And it's, I, think, I think you'll be okay with this violation. Um, my wife told me something that um, blew me away. She said that every once in a while, you all look at the prayers that you've been wrestling with and over, and you go back. I've never done this. I've never thought to do this. You go back, and then you say, has God answered these, and how did he answer those? How's that work, and how does that encourage you with your prayer life? I found out over the year, I keep a little booklet with prayer requests, and on the side at the end, I have answer and uh, so I can go through and um, see all those requests I've made to my Lord and I can see how he's answered them it's amazing how much our Jesus loves us and how much he wants to do for each of us but he wants us to go to him and when I can check off that answer such a blessing. I still go back over those same things. That's why it takes me. Sometimes I don't get through all those in one day. It takes me two or three to get through everybody that's on my list. 
So if you want to be on my list of prayers that I can pray for you, let me know. <laughs> God is faithful, but he wants us to come to him. Yeah. And he's promised that he will answer if we're in his will. And you know, he says he doesn't want anyone to perish. So he's going to hear the prayers for those of our family and loved ones that we're praying for their salvation. Amen. So Amen. don't fail to go to him. Keep a record of how wonderful he's blessed you. That's such an important part of group life. We forget it. And a lot of times when you're in a group, you know what people are praying for consistently, and you can ask them, how is this going? Has God answered it? It's important to come back and look at that. Let me pray for you all, and then we'll... We'll continue to worship God, and we'll see how God moves next as a result of what he's already been doing. Father in heaven, I thank you for not only these two groups that are represented, but all those that are in group. Father, it's only in relationship with you and in relationship with one another that we truly are able to see you work the way you have designed life to work. Father, I thank you for the consistent prayer life and the consistent way that Julie is in the word and how you're using that. Father, she is a living, breathing example that as long as we draw breath, we have so much to do for you. And some of that's through prayer, but some of that's also as we coach and mentor people that, are, that need that. My wife needs that, God, and I'm so thankful that she's the benefit of a woman of wisdom, a Titus II type woman. Father, for Leland Hope, I thank you so much, not only for their online group, but the way that they continue to interact with their family and the way that they interact with people that they're building relationships with in the group. Father, people are blessed because of their love for you and their love for one another. And Father, that's happening all over our church right now. And we just want to say thank you. And we want to remember that you are alive and at work and you live through us. Thank you for that. And we want to continue worshiping you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And all Amen. God's people said what? Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Thank you. So as I said earlier, we're going to continue a series that we started called I Am Group. And uh, in that series, we've been talking about how critical groups are in the life of the church. Um, if you've missed some of those messages, you can go back and grab them at the website. Um, that's gracecifer.org. You also can, um, if you don't know that, there's a lot of information in your bulletin for that. But, but the reality is you can catch up. Let me catch you up just verbally on what we've been doing. The first week we did this series, we talked about what the church is and uh, what the church is not. And sometimes it's very easy based on how we were raised or our upbringing to get confused about what the church is. And one of the things that we, you need to know about the church that Jesus started is certainly there were large crowds at times, but the church really lived out its life in groups. That's the heart of where the church really got to know people, know relationships, and see miraculous things happen. So we launched that first week by saying, hey, get in a growth group. Uh, that week, we saw God do an amazing thing, and the church grew in groups. We went from about 80 people to about 103 people in one day in groups. What you may not know is that's not stopped because of the connection corner and relationships. Some of these groups are finding out they're launching and actually be enjoying. We don't even know about until we talk to people after the fact. And so when I was looking at it today, there's now 120 of you in a growth group. And there's been a lot of groups launched. Julia's ready to cry just hearing that y'all launched a new group because she's excited about that. There's 17 groups currently meeting our church. And what I want you to know is it's not too late. The reality is if you really want to be connected and you want to share your life in an intimate way with people and grow in your faith, 
You have to be connected to some type of group. And that's why we said we'll have that connection corner there the entire time so you can have that opportunity. And Pastor Tony will be over there to help you connect. So then the next week we talked about what groups look like. And we began to talk about the win and the word and the wrestle. And I've had people say, that's just too simple. Is that really what a group is? Yes, that really is what a group is. I can look at every passage in scripture. I can attend any group, whether it's a Sunday school, a Wednesday night group, um, a traditional group, a a non-traditional group. And I can tell you, if I listen carefully, I find all three of these facets in a healthy group. They share about what God's doing in their life. They share God's word. If they didn't share God's word, then they might as well have a social club, right? Some of you have been to those kind of groups. And then they really do pray for each other based on what they're personally wrestling with. And I told you that one of the things that is a rub for me is when we pray for all of this external stuff so far and distant from us that's not connected to our heart. But when you really start to share your heart and what you're working through, you begin to see God work in the midst of prayer in a deep way. Then last week, we looked at wins. We looked at just that one dynamic of group. And one of the things that we did at the end of the service, which people told me after was so powerful, was when you went into a moment of prayer and God's spirit was moving in and through this church, not only who was here present, but also those online. And we said, just name one thing that God has won in your life. And you got to hear over and over again from people how God is doing amazing things in the life of people today. And I don't know about you, but when I hear that, I'm encouraged. No matter what I'm going through, no matter what struggles, when I hear how God is at work, I'm like, "Mm, that's awesome. And you need that if you're in a healthy group. So this week we wanted to go to the next piece, which is God's word. To look at God's word and how it connects us to group. Now, I wanted to go to my, my, my go-to passage. Anybody got those? Like, you got a go-to passage. Like, when you're thinking about a topic, you're like, I'm going here because I know this pretty well. Which would be, for me, 2 Timothy 3.16, which is a great passage. You should memorize it in 17. But in meeting with our pastors and doing the, the message this week, they all said, no, we're feeling led to go to Hebrews. I'm like, why Hebrews? Y'all know this is a complicated book, right? Let's stick with something a little more simple in the pastoral epistles because they're just kind of like point blank. And they were saying, no, no, let's go with Hebrews. So let me tell you about this book before we jump into it and how it's connected to God's message for you today. Because I believe our pastors are right. They, they put me in the right place, but they also challenged me in this book. The first thing you need to know about this book is we don't know who wrote it. We'd have no idea who wrote this book. We know that the person had an intimate relationship with the Apostle Paul and that the early church accepted this book because it's so well-written and the theology about who God is and how God is at work is so perfect. The other thing you need to know is why the author wrote this book to a certain group of people. He wrote it specifically to Christians who had come from a Jewish background. And they were, he was very, very, very concerned, or she, because that's another whole theory about who wrote this book. Ask me later about that one. Um, but they were very concerned that they were going to turn back to Judaism, that they were going to run back to their background. And the reason they were concerned this was going to happen was because of persecution that was happening all across the Roman Empire at that point in time. And it would be very easy to go, oh, you know, yeah, I'm a believer in Jesus, but really I'm practiced the Jewish faith. And they were afraid that they were going to cop out on their faith. That was the heart of this book of why it was written. The other part of this book that's amazing is the author felt like people had gotten too far removed from Jesus. They had put him in this way, way, way high, unapproachable kind of throne because he is God, okay? So that's, that's, that's a reality. But they wanted him to seem also that he was fully human, fully man. And that he had the same struggles and he was very approachable. In fact, that he was this priest who stood as an intercessor between you and God and he's the only daggone priest that you need. That's a pretty cool thing that comes out of this book. 
It uses a cool word called Melchizedek. You can look that up later with your friends. It says that Jesus is this priest in the order of Melchizedek. But what I love about the approach this author takes this book is over and over again, they use this phrase about Jesus. They open the book with it, but we see Jesus in, verse, in chapter 2, verse 9. And they just use that one single term, 19 different ways that the author is going to use the word in the person of Jesus, 19 in this book. And most of the time, they don't use his title. They just use his name. This book wants you to see the intimacy of the relationship to have with Christ. In fact, I was so moved by that and wanted to share that with you. What I did with Pastor Tony is it took me a little while, but I printed all 19 verses for you in in the chapters they're in. If you want that to do a study in your group, go to the Connection Corner after church, and all 19 verses are listed there for you. And you can actually do what we call a character study and actually look through the lens of Hebrews and what Hebrews says about the person of Jesus. Now, I tell you all that so that when you read this, you'll understand a little bit of the context of what God is doing about the word in this. And so, again, these are the context of the people. So let me read this with you. It's going to Hebrews 5. It's going to do 11 through 14. And you're going to see something interesting about God's word and how it's supposed to interact within the body of the church. So I'm going to start with, again, Hebrews 5, starting verse 11. We have much to say about this. He's talking about this whole relationship, so you know the context, again, of the church. But it's hard to explain because you are slow to learn. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. So again, the author writing to these folks who are trying to go backward in faith, want to cop out a little bit on faith, sound familiar to the world we live in. He has something specific to say about food, which is God's word. He's not talking about physical food. He's talking about God's word, the spiritual food. And there's some things you and I can pull from this that are profound. The first one is this, the word needs fertile soil. The word needs fertile soil. If you want God's word to have the greatest impact, God's word needs and is designed for fertile soil. And when he says that you are slow to learn, what he's actually saying is you are impacted, all right? You are hard soil. There's something in your life where you do not have a teachable spirit. You've met folks, or you maybe, if you're like me, you may even had seasons where you haven't had a teachable spirit. Where God's word is God's word, but you're not ready to receive it because of something went on in your life, and you are hardened by that. I love when I was reading a book years ago about church planting. It was called The Church in the Making, and uh, the author's idea was you can't plant churches. God's already ahead of you where he wants churches to be planted, so you just need to find a church that is in the making, and the soil there is fertile. And the author began to talk about, you know, if it's a hard place, maybe you're not supposed to plant, you're supposed to cultivate the soil in that place, to till it. And as I began to pray about that and meditate on that about church planting, I realized there's all kinds of connections to our hearts as well. If you've never read it, there's something called the parable of the sower. It's in Matthew 13. It's in Mark 4. It's in Luke 8. It tells you how important it is that it's included in all the, the, what we call the synoptic gospels. But listen to the different soils that are listed about hearts, not just people, but also communities. Remember, these go cross ways, both in groups and in people. The path. You know what the path is? It's hard. 
It's impacted. People have walked all over it and walked on it to a point that it's so hard it just can't take seed. Seed just sits on the top of it, right? Then there's the rocky, right? The stony one, which means it's been broken up a little bit, but you can't get a root to really go down in because the soil is just not where it should be. You know people like that? Then there's the thorny soil. Remember this one? The thorny soil is the idea that the worries, the anxieties, the things of the world choke out the actual fruit of God's word that happened in your life and in mine. And then there's listed the good soil. The good soil that's been tilled and it's ready. And it says that when the word lands in that kind of soil, it produces a crop 10 or 100 fold. Now, this is so key because if you want to know why God's word doesn't work in the life of people, I'm going to tell you it's generally not the word problem. It's a soil problem. And you and I need to be very careful that we're teachable, that when we hear God's word, when we hear it preached, taught, shared in group, that our heart is wide open and ready to receive it in a way that then it can actually have a bearing and fruit in our life. Let me tell you another way you see this in people's life. Uh, Pastor Tony, uh, he's always asking me for books to read. He is a reader, man. I love that about him. And so I recently gave him a book called The Unchurched Next Door. It's a book about people that don't go to church or they've been hurt by church or um, they just don't, right? And they, they qualify essentially through another way, soil. They don't call it soil, but what they call it, they call them unchurched five, unchurched four, unchurched three, two, and one. As the author describes these people's hearts, listen to how he describes them. He says someone that's what he calls a U5, an unchurched five, they're antagonistic to God's word. They're antagonistic to the gospel. Have you met this person? That when they hear anything about God, they just get PO'd. They're mad right away. How dare you bring up that topic? That's some pretty impacted soil, right? Someone needs an enema, a spiritual one, right? But here's the reality, okay? We look at these, these are real people. Then there's the resistant person. Like, I hear it, I'm not going to shut you down, but mm, I'm pushing back hard. They're resistant to God's word. Have you met those folks? Maybe you're one of those folks. Then there's people that are neutral. By the way, most Americans fit into neutral. They're neutral. They're, they're ready to have a conversation, but they're also waiting for you to do something stupid. They're waiting for you to tip your hand and show that you care more about a notch in your belt spiritually than their actual life. They're waiting for that, but they're neutral. Then there's the person that's ready. They've been waiting for you to show up to have these kind of conversations. Did you know most Americans fit between U2 and U3? And of the U3 and U2 people in our country, 80% of them said if they were invited to church by a friend, they would come, but they never get an invite. That's this situation of fertile soil. And then there's people that are ripe. He calls them U1, like, shut up, just tell me about Jesus. I'm ready to put my faith in him, and you're taking too long to tell me. That's a U1. Now, why is this important? You and I need to look at our heart, and we need to say, where are we when it comes to the, the fertile soil or hard soil? We need to be honest. The devotion this week, I, I love doing our devotions, even though I did the wrong one this morning, Kevin. I'll, I'll go back and do the right one later. <laughs> um, I love reading not only what's happening in the devotion, but I love reading what, the, what God's Spirit is doing in you. That's why I love doing them together. I want to read one to you about this right here. This person couldn't have known that God's Spirit was going to speak through them about this message today, but quote, this is out of the devotion. And the person said after reading the devotion, Lord, teach me to receive from those whom you've made shepherds in my life. And yet the more... Please give me the wisdom to see the heart to move into action in the life of those 
whom you've called me to shepherd to. Now that is God's spirit alive within God's word, within a person in this church that is fertile soil that wants to not only produce a crop, but be used to produce another crop in people's lives. And I'm telling you, that's the heart that God searches for. He looks for it and he puts seed. He puts his word in that person's mouth and in their heart. Second thing you need to know about God's word is the word grows when it's shared. It, it grows when it's shared. That's, that's normal. That's the way God's word's supposed to work is when his word gets shared, it grows. I love the fact that he says, you still need to be taught the elementary truths of the faith. Elementary truths. In other words, not only does this person need to, to reach those, but he's saying that you need to get to a point that you're teaching. That's what the author of this book is saying, which means it's supposed to grow inside of you and I, that God's word grows in us to where we share it. And, and you know, if you've been a Sunday school teacher, I know some of your Sunday school teachers, when you have to teach something, don't you understand it better? And what we do is we've elevated teaching to be something it's not. Teaching is not what I'm doing right here. This is teaching, but you don't have to be at this level to teach God's word. What you need to know about God's word is how to have a daggone quiet time where you get to talk to God. How to actually understand how to interpret God's word and apply it, which is why we have a class to teach that to you. And everybody's taking it and said, I didn't realize it was this simple, okay? And then how to apply it to your life and then walk with another person and do the same thing. That's all you're required to do. And every single person listening to this, watching this, or here, you can do that. It's a life-on-life -life situation. The problem is, is we in the American church, we get stuck in the elementary truths of the faith. We get stuck in elementary stuff that's just for us, and we should be teaching stuff that's so much deeper. Here's the elementary thing about the faith. Let me tell you what, what the elementary truth about the faith is. Okay, it's the gospel. It's the good news. Every single person should understand the good news, that all of us have gone astray, that all of us have offended God, that all of us have offended one another. If you don't believe that, stick around in life. You'll find someone to offend you. It might be me before the end of this message, but you'll find someone to offend you, and you're going to offend someone else, and the Bible calls sometimes the way we do that sin, and that sin needs a solution, and the problem is, is you and I can't have the solution because we're sinful. How do we fix a problem that's inherent to ourselves? And the gospel, the good news is that Jesus did this for us. We couldn't do it, so he did it. He did it. How did he do it? He paid for our sin by shedding his blood on a cross, atoning for the sins of all the world, and that all that put their hope and their faith and their belief and their trust only in what he's done live a committed life for him. It's a life where the Spirit of God indwells this person, changes them, and moves them in all kinds of different ways. This is the elementary thing of the faith. And what he's saying is, is there's deeper things that we should be moving toward where we're actually investing. And what's interesting about this is you're going to see in a second, the deeper things that he's talking about are not head things. They're not. The deeper things that are talked about here have to do with how it's applied, not what's taught. The elementary truths is one piece, but the deeper solid food has to do with how you walk with people, how you live out your faith with people, how accountability is structured inside of a growth group, how when you really start to get real and authentic and you start dealing with the deeper things, then you stop talking about people and you start talking to people, the people that you most love, the people that you're sharing your life with. Instead of talking around a situation, you would go to them and say, I am concerned about your faith, your life, what's going on in this area, because I want to see you grow to be the person that Christ has called you to be. 
that's moving from elementary stuff to some deeper stuff. That's why the third thing about God's word is it's best understood when it's applied. When you apply it, it's how you really go deeper with it. It's not just understanding it here, it's when you apply it. I love it when he says, anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. The key in that, if you want to underline in your Bible, is the word righteousness. See, righteousness has the idea of right living. You can't be righteous just in your thinking, right? That would be weird, right? <laughs> you can't tell. Can I look at you and go, you got righteous thinking. That would be weird. The way you know someone's righteous is how they live. It's what they actually do with their life. That's why when you look at Jesus, he didn't say, let me come explain something to you. Does he say that in his word? No, he doesn't say that. He doesn't say, come and reason with me. He doesn't say, I'm going to give you a philosophy. He says, come and follow me. What's interesting about the way that he's saying that is he's saying, follow me has the idea of application the whole way through. Uh, one of the things I loved when I was in the Boy Scouts was the simple way they taught things. Anybody in Boy Scouts or Cub Scouts, you've been there? Okay. So there, there's one back there. So if I said, how do we train people? I'll put you on the spot, Brian. I won't do that. Um, how do you train a Boy Scout to learn something? And then how do you train a Boy Scout to be a leader to train someone else? And, and I believe the Boy Scouts are stolen from Jesus. Most people do. They just don't know it. And, uh, and what they learned was a very simple process. It's called EDGE, the EDGE method. And that's what they, immediately they teach. I love acrostics, stick, so I was like, oh, I like this, edge, okay? Which means explain, demonstrate, guide, encourage. This is what Jesus did, by the way. That's how simple it was. It wasn't just that he said stuff and people went, that's pretty cool. He actually walked with them. So he would explain it, then he would demonstrate it. He would live it out in front of them. You want to know what it's like to go door to door? You want to know what it's like to do healing? You know what it's like to pray for people? You want to know what it's like to teach? and open? He showed them, he demonstrated, and then he guided them through it, right? He said, now you're going to do it. And I love it when he says, and lo, I'm with you to the very end of the age. You talk about the ultimate encouraging statement. If you're on the mission that I'm on, you're doing the things that I'm supposed to be doing, I'm with you to the very end of the age. He encourages us. It's the same thing with any, any kind of thing you want to learn. You want to learn guitar? I love playing guitar. I've been playing guitar for years. You can watch all the YouTube channels you want, right? You can play Guitar Hero all you want, right? You can watch some of your favorite artists. You will not learn to play guitar that way. At some point, you must put your hands to the instrument and play it. And this is the problem in the Christian faith. We watch it from afar. We critique it from afar. We have people that we're impressed with. But until you put your practice to faith then you will not see God's word lived out in such a way that's whole and really practical. So you see, faith is practiced, and we've lost that, and we need it back. Let me tell you some things I've seen in the past that are just misnomers. People really with noble, noble hearts, but the wrong method, okay? Here's some of the things I've seen. Just take this class. You ever been to a church that says that? Okay, we're going to do a class, but I'm going to tell you, I don't measure the class. You know what I'm going to measure? If you take the class today, I'm going to measure if you read the Bible in a year and are you in your quiet time. That's what we're going to measure. Because classes don't disciple people. They give them information. It's only when you walk side by side with them within a group that they grow. So it's good to get the information, but if you stop there, it's a failure. Talk to another pastor one day and say, hey man, how do you help your people? How do you disciple your people? How do you help them to actually walk in faith? He says, oh, well, that's what the pulpit's for. And I said, so you think you're that good, huh? I've heard you preach. You're not that good, okay? I'm not that good, okay? Someone coming and listening to you talk for a 30-minute, 40-minute talk is not going to change the way they walk every day of their life. 
They've got to have people sharing their life with those people. That's how your life gets changed day to day when you're walking. People that are in recovery know this, right? It's not the talk that changes you. It's the study, man. It's the growth group. It's the group afterward that really is where the change happens. That's why habits are so important, why we actually talk about them a lot. John got on me recently. I love John. My brother, John. Hey, John. He's like, you don't have the habits anywhere on the website. I'm like, I, I know. Sometime I got to get around to it. But the habits are critical. You're right. They're critical. Because when you have certain habits that form into your life, that's where growth starts to happen. And when you do that with other people, it changes you. The fourth thing about God's word is it's lived out through consistent habits. We're leading right into that one. It's lived out through consistent habits. It's not lived out through an experience. Those are important, but it's lived out through the day-to-day dull habits that don't seem very attractive. But solid food is for the mature. Look at this. Who by what? Constant use have trained themselves. That's habits, people. If you want to be a great athlete, what do you have to learn? You learn the habits of another great athlete. How do they practice? When do they practice? How long do they practice? How do they swing? How do they shoot? You learn all of those pieces and you begin to practice those same habits. And over time and consistency, you get good at that. Here's our habits that I believe. Other churches come up with different habits and that's fine. But these are the habits that we've camped on because they make sense for who we are. The habits that we have said build people into Christians that are the way they're supposed to be are the hang time. It's the number one thing for us. That's why y'all brought up the U version. It's so important to me to hang out with you in God's word, to have that daily quiet time with other people because that's where really God in my mind is the greatest involved spiritually is when you get up or you go to bed and you're having that quiet time and then you hear how God's word is moving and working throughout the people around you. That hang time's critical. Then accountability, you have to build accountability with people, which is trust really in your group. That takes time to the point where you can start confessing things to them sharing deep hurts with them, sharing struggles with them, receiving prayer from them, that that kind of accountability starts to build into a place that's healthy. And it's good to know that you've got people that will pray for you. You better get on Miss Julie's prayer list, I'm telling you right now. (laughs) That accountability um, is good, but what's even better is when you move into Bible study. And you heard that today through the people sharing. When you begin to have a focus around God's word and you know how to study it, you begin to grow. I have never met a believer in Christ who grew apart from Bible study. I've seen some sour. I've seen some become bitter. I've seen them become detached. I've seen them become self-righteous, but I've never met one that, did, that was growing, truly growing, that wasn't intimately connected to God's word in a Bible study with a group of people where they're really sharing their life. I just haven't seen it. And I think that's because God didn't design it that way. And if you have a hard time studying, that's why we do today's class. Anyone can take it. You can take them out of order. But today's Growing with Grace class is all about how to study God's word. And we teach you step by step. Every person that's taken it so far said, it's not as hard as I thought, but this is real of great benefit to us. The other thing is you're inspired to serve. These are the habits. You're inspired to serve. You serve and you give your life to other people. You treasure the kingdom of God. It's the most important thing to you. Not your kingdom, but God's kingdom. And when you see that, you want, to, you want to be a part of what God's doing. And then you go and you share the gospel. These are the habits. You go and you share the gospel. When that happens and those habits are lived out consistently in your life, you grow through God's word. Um, here's a myth for you. I love myths. Y'all like busting urban myths? Okay. How long does it take to form a habit? 
30 days, that's one of the myths. The big, the, that, oh man, he read my notes. Okay, the, the urban myth is 21 days, but actual research says it takes 66 days for the average person to truly form a real habit to where it goes from being something you do to then it's automatic, that it's like you sense it's missing when it doesn't happen. It's 66 days. 66 days. Do you really think that you can form a habit on your own? If you're like me, I need someone nagging just a little bit. How are you doing with this? Did you do it today? I did not. Let's get back on the horse. I need that. And that's why these kind of habits get lived out in group. And here's my other challenge to you if you're in a group and you're one of those leaders in the group, you're facilitating a group, you're hosting a group. How often do you check on the habits of your people? How often do you say, how's your quiet time? And don't do this to make them feel guilty, okay? Guilt does not help people. We get enough of that from the world. Do it in a way that's honest and says, can I help you? Can we do one together? You know, how are you on Bible study? I'm horrible at it. Well, can we go to the class together and can we start to do that more in our group? Do you serve anywhere? Nope, I don't, I, don't, I don't serve anywhere. Would you like to serve alongside of me on this project coming up? Like always do it in a way that's life on life and values the person, okay? When habits get lived out that way and they're accountable, people grow and they enjoy it because they build a relationship through the habit. And that's one of the things I think God wants to do. So where are you on the habit? So today I want you to do something. I'm going to ask God, Pastor Dan if he'll come up and the band. Listen, just kind of a stillness time. Each, each of you, hopefully when you came in, um, you got one of these, okay? And um, we're going to take your temp this morning. Some of you are already having inappropriate thoughts about that, okay? <laughs> but we're going to take your temp. So today, take your temp and share with your group. So here's what we're going to do. This is, this is our response to God today. And if God gives you another response, by all means, follow what he's asking because he's better at this than I am. But I just want to give you something tangible, okay? So if you didn't get one of these, by the way, I think Beth said they've got them in the back. If you raise your hand, she'll bring you a card. So she's running. So George wants one, Beth. So it's too bad some people upstairs didn't have one because I want to see Beth run all the way up there. No, I'm just kidding. George, <laughs> you do? So she's got someone else up there. Thank you. But if you need one of these, she'll bring it to you. Just raise your hand. Um, so he talks about milk. So you can play some, Dan. Oh, yeah. And he talks about um, solid food. So what I've done for you to make this just very tangible for you, just kind of a funny way, is you got milk, cheese, and steak, okay? So kind of solid food going down to milk. Um, Here's how I would define those in our life as a church. Some of you have almost no habits in your life. That's like negative. Like you're, you're like negative temp. You live in Wisconsin, okay? That's where you are in your habits. Yeah, don't pick on Paul. Um, some of you, you're working on some of the habits and some of them are at work in your life, but you know you need work on these habits. And some of you I know, I know are in a place that you're ready to teach these habits. Like you know enough about the things you've heard today that you can be investing in the life of someone else in your group or in your, one of your circles that I, maybe I haven't even talked about. And I just want to give you a still moment, a quiet moment before God to mark where you think you are, to take your temperature spiritually. Um, You're not going to turn these in. I'm going to ask you to do something far more difficult with them. 
going to ask you to take them to your next group and share it with your group. So take your temp and then share where you are, why you think you're there. Now, one of, one of two things will happen, why this is so important in your group. As you share this with your growth group, you're going to find out maybe they think you're actually not at the place that you thought. They could, they could be a humbling moment for you or it could be an encouraging moment for you that they maybe think you're further along than you thought. But those kind of honest conversations are the kind of conversations that when they happen in group, we grow, especially if we pray for each other. So I want to just give you some quiet stillness. Check where you are. If you're online, I'll send this out by PDF later. So you can do this online as well. And your online group will then have access to this. I'll send this out later on. But the reason this is so important is I believe it's going to spark a conversation. And when the conversation happens in your group, listen, do not make people feel bad about where they are. That would not be the goal. Do not make people feel guilty. Encourage them. Ask them what's one habit that they would like to form that you as a group can help them with or that you personally can help them with. That's the goal. And if that happens, everybody today will grow through God's word. And that's the goal that we have. So let me pray for you. Take your temp and then we're gonna sing and just prepare our hearts for what God has next. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this moment of stillness. I know it's your desire for us every once in a while to just say, here's where we really are, but here's where we'd like to be. And Father, we can do that with you and it's beautiful and we know that you love us. But when we do that with one another, things get a little more real, they get a little more raw, but they also tend to move forward in our faith. So Father, help us to be honest and, and transparent of our assessment and then help the people that we're sharing to not only be honest with us, but gentle, to teach us with a gentle, humble spirit and help us to take the next step in our faith journey. We thank you for how you'll do that in Jesus' name.